What's up? Hope you're having a great day. It is I, Jonathan Smith, back with another podcast for you guys. Cannot wait to get into it. We're talking NBA Summer League. What can we take from that? What is something concrete we can use in arguments and actually apply to the upcoming NBA season? And then ESPN released a list of the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL according to 50 different executives. Going to break that down as well. Cannot wait to get into it. But first, Steve Smith. Thank you, Steve. Now let's get into it. What does the Summer League mean? What can we take away from these, you know, six, seven, eight games we're going to see from these young guys? And it's it's interesting, right? Because you're looking at a bunch of players that you don't really know. It's definitely a higher level of play compared to college basketball, which is where all these rookies are coming from. You know, you're playing against guys who have been in the league for a couple of years. That and obviously, you know, all the other rookies in your class. One of the things I will say that I like seeing is these older guys who come back and play, and you're kind of able to see them in these different roles, right? Taking more shots. You get to kind of see what they've been working on and what they've added to their game. But with that being said, like, how much of this is really real? Okay, only 75% of guys that play in the NBA Summer League will never make an NBA roster. But like I said, this is definitely a step above college basketball, not only in talent, but the style of play is so much more like the NBA Obviously, just obviously the talent level isn't as high as the NBA itself. So what can we take away? This is what I believe we can take away so far from what we've seen amongst the top five picks in this year's draft. I may touch on some of the, you know, some of the other guys kind of as we get into it. But the way I see it as of right now, Paulo and Chad are hands down the two best rookies that we've seen as of today. They just look different, okay? Paulo's ability to run offense as of right now is incredible. He can get to the bucket whenever he wants using his size against smaller defenders. You know, he has the handle and athleticism to go by the bigger defenders. And the vision's there. Like, his passing ability, I think, has been one of the more impressive parts of his games that we've seen so far through, you know, the Summer League. And sadly, we're not going to see him anymore. The Magic have shut him down. So, you know, he's just practicing for when he signs that huge conference and or that huge contract, and he's able to sit out games in the future. That's a joke. Um... Yeah, and also defensively, he looks way more engaged, you know, watching them play Houston when you see him really get after Jabari Smith. I mean, it's really impressive whenever he wants to play defense. He's definitely going to have the ability to. So moving on to Chet, he's definitely a unicorn, grabbing rebounds then pushing the break, kind of like he's Draymond Green. is kind of wild considering, you know, he's seven feet tall. Uh, shooting pull-up threes, you know, the passing I think has been really good as well. The shot making has been a little inconsistent, but you can see why people love the ceiling on offense. He has the ability to just to do so many different things. Defensively, he's that's where he's been his best. Blocking and altering shots on a consistent basis. You know, his size has gotten him into some trouble. You know, when they played against Memphis, you know, they had the kid on, the kid from La Tech who kind of bullied him a little bit. But as a whole, he's looked really good coming over from the weak side and doing things like that. And let's be honest, there aren't very many centers or power forwards in the NBA who have a postgame anyway. Like, it's definitely a perimeter-oriented position. You know, like, Joel Embiid is going to bully him, but Joel Embiid bullies everybody. Nikola Jokic is going to bully him, but Nikola Jokic bullies everybody, right? So people, you know, when those clips came out of him getting bullied by by the kid who's playing for Memphis, people, I think, overreacted to it just because there aren't a lot of guys in the league who are going to play with their back to the basket like that. 
Second tier of the rookies we've seen so far, I think, are Jaden Ivey and Keegan Murray amongst the top five picks. Jaden Ivey's clearly the best athlete on the floor in every game that he's played. That is one of the things that I think you can take away from the Summer League. You can quickly tell who are the elite athletes on the floor. And Jaden Ivey checks every single box for that. Uh, You know, he's a little bit behind basketball-wise in terms of decision-making, but we have to remember that when he's playing, you know, at the NBA level with uh, Cade Cunningham, he's not going to be making the decisions. It's going to be Cade Cunningham doing all that. So Jaden Ivey, it's just like, go go be athletic, go get to the rim, and, you know, Cade can take care of the rest. You know, the shooting, I think, has been a little lacking as well. But, you know, he's got the athleticism to make up for it. And, you know, as I said when I was doing all of my pre-draft stuff, the jump shot gets better for most NBA players. It just does. You know, even Rajon Rondo, has, he's improved. Really, the only player who hasn't improved his jump shot is Ben Simmons. And, you know, he's a one-of-one kind of guy, it seems like, in that regard. So he's going to continue to get better. Uh, I'm really excited to kind of see what he does in Detroit. Detroit quickly becoming, you know, one of the most fun teams I'm going to have watching on League Pass this year. Keegan Murray, guy is clearly NBA ready. He looks very polished. He can shoot the ball. He's smart. He looks like he can fit just into any offense in any role just because he's so skilled offensively. He's exactly what I think everybody thought he was going to be in the NBA. So final tier here, Jabari Smith. I'm worried. You know, it's just summer league. I get that. But he looks like an uncoordinated giraffe when he puts the ball on the floor. The shot looks good, though. Like, I will say, the shot looks good. It's not falling super consistently right now, but it's going to at some point. His defensive abilities are clearly there with size and length, but the much the handle is much worse than advertised. Um, and I just, I don't like the idea of spending the third overall pick on a guy who just ends up being Bridges from Phoenix. You know, a guy who can't get his own shot. That's not what you waste the third pick on especially when guys like Keegan Murray and Jaden Ivey and Benedict Matherin are all, are all went after him, right? And so he better improve or else I'm not going to say he's on bust watch because, like I said, it's only the summer league. You can't take everything away from this. But at the same time, things have not looked great for him. And finally, before we take a short break, DeAndre Ayton to the Pacers has picked up some momentum. I don't know if it's going to happen. I feel like if it was going to, it would have happened by now. Um, Ayton to the Pacers... I mean, we'll see. People here in Indianapolis are really excited about this, as they should be. This would be an absolute steal for the Pacers. Aiton is not only better than Miles Turner, not only healthier than Miles Turner, and on top of that, he's 23. And when you look at the young core of the Pacers, he fits the timeline much, much better. They also have the cap space to pay for him or overpay for him even. So, yeah, a lot of things happening up here for Indianapolis. Also, Benedict Matherin looks really good. Talk about a kid who can shoot the ball. Pacers fans should be really, really excited about him. So we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to get into ESPN's top 10 quarterbacks voted on by 50 different executives across the NFL. Cannot wait to get into that, but we're going to take a short break first. So ESPN does these articles every year where they send out basically these voting sheets to all these different executives across the NFL, and they all anonymously vote on every single position in the NFL, kind of their top 10 players at that position. They let it off with the quarterbacks. Here is the list. Number one, Aaron Rodgers. Number two, Patrick Mahomes. Number three, Josh Allen. Fourth, Tom Brady. Fifth, Joe Burrow. Sixth, Matthew Stafford. Seventh, Justin Herbert. Russell Wilson at eight. Deshaun Watson at nine. And Dak Prescott at 10. Honorable mention, in other words, just other guys who got votes. Lamar Jackson, Derek Carr, and Kyler Murray. 
I'll be honest, I have a couple of issues with this list. But we're going to start at the top, kind of work our way down, and I'll work you through kind of my opinions on every single set of players. So I'll be honest, I like the top three. I don't think you can really argue with it. You may want to change the order a bit. That's fine. I have no problem with that. If you put Josh Allen at one, if you want to put Patrick Mahomes at one, that's fine. But at the same time, Aaron Rodgers, I like him there. He's won back-to-back MVPs. Wouldn't be surprising if he won a third one in a row this year. I'm totally fine with him having having him at one. Patrick Mahomes at two, I think, makes a lot of sense to me. Like I said, I'm cool if you have him at one. Josh Allen at three makes a ton of sense as well. I don't think you can deny that these are currently the three best quarterbacks in the NFL. Brady at four is perfect. He led the league in passing yards last year. He's also the GOAT. So not going to argue with him being at four, even though I think that if you were to start your franchise today, I don't I don't think you would take I don't he wouldn't be the he wouldn't be one of the first three quarterbacks off the board. I think you would take all three of those guys before him just because of where he's at in his career and age. And at some point he's going to fall off the cliff. We just don't know when. And I'll be honest, uh, Burrow and Stafford at five and six, I don't like it. Just be honest with you. Uh, I don't like them at five and six. I think they should be six and seven. I think Justin Herbert should be in front of them. I'm splitting hairs here, but that's what you do on lists like this, right? Like that's what top 10 lists are. It's splitting hairs over literally everything. So here's my case for Herbert. Herbert threw for over 5,000 yards last year with a rookie defensive-minded head coach with a lesser receiving core than both Burrow and Stafford has. His completion percentage isn't as high as Burrow and Stafford, but part of that is because he threw the ball 150 more times than Joe Burrow and 70 more times than Matthew Stafford. He's also more athletic than both of them. Uh, Not as big of a deal, but I still think that it's a plus in today's day and age. I want a quarterback who can move. But at the same time, I get it. Matt Stafford won the Super Bowl. Burrow got to the Super Bowl behind a terrible offensive line. I'm not mad at it. Just like a personal preference, uh, I, I would put Justin Herbert in front of both of those guys. I think Justin Herbert's going to have a big year this year, a slip, sleeper MVP candidate. Uh, I don't like Wilson at eight either. It feels way too high, but at the same time, I wouldn't put him in front of any of the seven guys that are in front of him. Or too low, excuse me. Um, like I said, I wouldn't put him in front of the seven guys in front of him, though, just because... He wasn't very good last year, but I do think that that'll change this year. I expect a big MVP-type season from Wilson where, you know, he solidifies himself back in kind of the top five. Multiple weapons on the outside, an offensive-minded head coach for the first time in his career. No more worrying about Pete Carroll deciding to run the football on, like, second and eight. You know, it'll be a passing down from here on out, which is really exciting. I cannot wait to watch the Broncos play this year simply because Russell Wilson's at the helm and Jerry Judy finally has a— quarterback that's worth something Deshaun Watson at nine is fine I think he'd be higher if he'd played these past couple of years and I'm going to kind of pivot away from this list here for a second so I'm assuming you've seen the story on Zach Wilson and everything that's come out about him about him having sex with his mom's best friend and a disgruntled girlfriend and all those other kinds of things and it's it just really got me wondering, right? I was sitting here today just kind of thinking about it, and he's going to have the respect from every single every single locker room that he enters into from here on out, right? Like, he's going to walk in, the guys are like, oh, that's that dude. You know, like, you've already seen it on the internet. You know, people have said, quote, he's got that dog in him and all those other Kinds of things, which is really, you know, exciting and, and those different types of things for him, right, in terms of his career because many people hopping off the Zach Wilson ship after after how bad he was his rookie season. 
So like I was saying, whatever locker room he walks into, he has the respect of those guys. My question is, how in the world is Deshaun Watson going to be able to walk into literally any locker room in the NFL and have any sort of respect? You know, and so much of playing the quarterback position is having teammates who are bought into you and what you do. And I think it's really hard to do that when you have zero respect for the guy off the field, right? Even if he settles all these cases, the fact that there were 26 accusations says more than enough about about him, about the kind of person that he is. And so it'll be very interesting to see how the Cleveland Browns locker room responds to him when he eventually does get on the field after his suspension. And to finish it off, you you knew it was coming. I don't like Dak Prescott at 10. I, I think all three of the guys that are listed on the honorable mention are better than Dak. Derek Carr and Kyler Murray, most definitely. And I just want to say, like, Dak Prescott has benefited from both a top-tier offensive line and a top-tier wide receiver wide receiving core since he started in the league. He doesn't have that this year. Okay, he has an unproven number one wide receiver in CeeDee Lamb, an aging offensive line. Michael Gallup can't stay healthy. I have no faith in Dak this year. And all the faith in the world in Derek Carr, whose weapons are much improved with the addition of Devontae Adams. I have all the faith in the world in Lamar Jackson, who is still maybe the fastest player in the NFL. I have all the faith in the world in Kyler Murray, who's been really good ever since he started playing in the NFL, despite his lack of size. And despite the lack of him having DeAndre Hopkins this year, who's going to miss it all with, you know, the PED charge. So I cannot wait to see how these quarterbacks perform. Cannot wait for my guy, Justin Herbert, to back my opinion on him being better than both Joe Burrow and Matthew Stafford. Cannot wait to watch Derek Carr, Kyler Murray, and Lamar Jackson, all three, outperform Dak Prescott. I already know I'm going to get some hate for that take. That's okay. That's part of the, that's, that's just part of the business, right? So that's going to do it here at Shooting the Schmidt. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to the podcast. I'll be back again on Tuesday for you guys with another take for you.